Hi, Reckless. How are you guys tonight? A little dead. That's okay, okay? Because tonight I got an awesome message for you guys. And let me just say this really, really quick. Okay, so last week Todd set you guys up for today, right? So he talked a little bit about revelations and gave you the breakdown of it. And tonight we're going to be talking about what the end of time will look like. And so I don't think that these lights going out and everything that we're experiencing tonight is a coincidence because, spoil alert, spoiler alert, the enemy will be defeated. And I truly 100% believe that tonight a lot of life change is going to happen. And he knows that. And so he's trying to mess with us, Reckless. And so with the lights, you know, I am a little dark, so it's a little hard to see me tonight, right? But Reckless, I'm going to ask you guys to just lean in, open your hearts, open your ears, because we got some awesome, awesome news that I want to share with you guys, right? So we're going to be looking at Revelations 19 and 20 tonight. And so I want to start by asking you guys, how many of you guys have seen a Marvel movie? Like, I don't know, Endgame? Okay, yes. Okay, and if you haven't, you guys know the basic concept of a superhero like story, right? So basically, there's a city and the city's in trouble, okay? There's a lot of deaths and sickness and corruption and it's just bad, 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 bad. And then all of a sudden, a really cool superhero, maybe like Iron Man, maybe like Spider-Man or my personal favorite, Thor, comes in and they fight the evil people and their armies. And then all of a sudden, everything is good. Everything's good in the city now, right? That is literally what the end of time will look like, except there's no Spider-Man or Thor. But you guys get the concept, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about. So how many of you guys have ever wondered why we go through certain things in life, right? So like, why do we experience death? Why do we experience pain? Why do we experience heartbreak, stress, anxiety, fear, depression? Like, like, why do we experience all of this stuff? And if you guys are anything like me, right, when I'm going through these, these emotions, I tend to ask myself, when is this going to end? Like, when is this pain going to end? When is this, this feeling of, of betrayal going to end? When are all these negative feelings going to end? And the beauty of tonight is that my hope for you guys is that you understand that all of this will end when Jesus comes back. So imagine living in a world where all the bad and the ugly we wish didn't exist literally does not exist, right? Like that is such a chill, peaceful life. Like you're just driving and someone got in front of you, but you're good. You're not mad right? It's just a chill and peaceful life. And the reality is, if we are Christians and we've placed our faith in Christ, that will be our, our reality one day. But we got to be real, right? I remember when I was younger and I read Revelations for the very first time, what I was reading and what will happen on this earth, in a sense, seemed scary. It seemed tough. But I promise you that there's true beauty at the end of it. So tonight we're going to start off with Revelations 19 verse 11 and it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. 
With justice, he judges and wages war. So the rider of the horse is Jesus. Okay, and this is marking his return. The verse continues on by saying, His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. Revelations 19.14 says, The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Okay, so at this point, it is God and his team, and they are gearing up for battle, okay? They're ready for this battle, and so I really wanted to make, like, um, an adventures reference, because I just really liked Endgame, although I couldn't sit, like, in the three-hour movie. But I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, right? So I was, on, I was on Google, and I was like, let me see what kind of picture I can show of this moment, right? Because I like to picture things. And so I came across this picture, if you guys can put it up, please. So it's Jesus and, and the superheroes, and he says, and that's how I saved the world. And so I pictured this moment of Jesus being like, yeah, so I came on earth and I died, but listen, tonight we're going to go on battle and this is going to happen. And you're right, he's having a conversations with his army, right? And then Revelations 19, 19 says, then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider, who is Jesus, and his army. So now this is what I picture the enemy and his army, in a sense, looking like if I had to like. I'm not saying Thanos is, you know, the devil. I'm just saying he was evil too. So if I had to make the devil out to be somebody, it's Thanos, right? So the verse continues and it says, With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So at this moment, God and the devil and their armies are fighting. They're at a battle. But who seriously thinks that they can go up against God and win the battle, right? I mean, obviously the devil did. That's why he went into the battle, right? And so at the end of the battle in Revelations 19, Satan's army was defeated and killed, and they were thrown into hell. But Satan was not, at least not yet. So now the battle between God and the enemy has finished for now. And so now we move on into Revelations 20. And this is marking the thousand-year period. And so Revelations 20, verse 1 says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to uh, uh, Abbas, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the eighth ancient serpent, who is the devil, and bound him for a thousand years. So the devil at this point, he's locked up for a thousand years. He's locked up so that he can not be on this nation and deceive all of us, right? Or, or the people in the nation, right? So there would be peace on earth for a thousand years. Evil still existed to a certain extent, because Satan came, he was trying to convince people to join his army for the second battle that was coming up. But after the thousand years, the enemy, Satan, would be released again. Revelations 20, verse 7 says, 
When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. So Satan is ready for battle number two. He's ready. He said, Jesus, you beat me in the first battle, but I don't think you got me in this one. I think I'm coming back stronger and better than ever. And in a sense, I kind of see the devil like a cockroach. Okay, why? I have stepped on cockroaches. I have thrown poison at cockroaches. I've even tried like lighting a cockroach on fire. And that thing is still crawling all over my house. Like I don't know how that thing is still going, but it's still going, right? And this is the enemy. Like he literally lost against God. His whole army was thrown into hell, and he is still trying to go up against God. Revelation 20, verse 8 says, In number, they are like sand on the seashore. So this is how the Bible explains the army of Satan. I mean, can you imagine how big of an army that has to be for the Bible to refer it to sand? I mean, how many of you guys have ever been to the beach? Okay, the majority of us, right? Sand, like sand, that's how big the Bible is referencing to the enemy's army. I mean, he really is trying to beat God in a battle. Revelations 20, verse 9 says, They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. So the enemy in the second battle... He came with a plan. He was like, you know what? The first battle, I tried to comfort God. The second battle, I'm going to go for his people. Because his people aren't as strong as he is. So this second one, I'm going for his people and in the city that he loves. But if we know God, he wasn't just going to sit there and let that happen, right? So he came out and he defended his people And the verse continues, and it says, Fire came down from heaven and devoured them. So the enemy's army was devoured. And ultimately, the devil was thrown down into the lake of burning sulfur. So in this second battle, the enemy is in hell now. And so the battle is finally over. The devil and his army have been thrown into hell. God defeated sin and death. And I don't know about you guys, but that kind of makes me excited. Because the keys to death are finally defeated. And this is huge news. Because all our pain and all our suffering and all our worries and and these feelings, right, are all gone. These feelings of depression, anxiety, any negative thing that we experience on this earth are all gone at this moment. Because God defeated the enemy, and he threw them into hell, right? And so all the bad that we have ever experienced is dead and gone. And so like in any superhero movie, when the bad guy is finally defeated, everyone can finally breathe. They feel relieved, right? They can breathe. The battle battle is over. And this relates to us in the sense that the battles that we face each and every single day the battles that are caused because of the enemy, who is the mastermind behind all bad that happens on this earth, each and every single one of those, those, those battles that we face, 
they're defeated once and for all. They're gone. And so to finish this chapter, it ends with the last step of what we will go through before we, we as believers, reach our destination. And so it's the judgment of the dead. Revelations 20, verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. The book of life was open, which is the book of life. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> so the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So each person was judged. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and anyone's name who was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So now, Reckless, I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes for a moment. But don't fall asleep on me. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you guys to imagine this moment, okay? You and everybody in this room and your loved ones and your friends are all lined up before the beautiful, beautiful throne of God. I mean, imagine what that looks like. Peace. Tranquility. I don't know, I picture everything being white and gold, right? And, be, and, and you're standing before God. And God is going to come to you and ask if we have followed him or not. And then he will ask us if we belong in heaven. So now you guys can open your eyes back up. So I think of this moment almost like when your teacher, like, you, you didn't do so good in a class, right? And it's like the end of the semester like it is now, okay? And, like, you know you got to get that grade up. So you go to the teacher, and you're, like, asking, you know, for, for her or him to help you with the grade. And it's like, you know you didn't put in the effort, so should you really get that good grade? Or like, I don't know, when I was younger, I remember um, getting grounded for something I know that I did wrong, and then I would go to my mom and ask her if I can please go out, even though I know I did something wrong, right? So it's, it's, it's almost like that, right? How do you respond to this when you know you probably didn't put enough effort to get a good grade or, or to not be grounded, right? And you can't lie to God either because he already knows. So God is literally going to ask each and every one of us, whether we're believers or not, he is going to ask each and every one of us to our face what we did on this earth for him. Well, I was good. I went to Reckless like since I was a freshman, never missed a day. I go to church with my parents on Sundays. Um, I listen to Christian music in the car. I don't cuss. I went on mission trips. I was a fairly good person. And there are so many excuses that we could use, but none of them are just good enough. Because if all it took was for us to do things to get into heaven, 
like be good enough, like go to reckless every week, like not cuss, like listen to Christian. If all it took was for us to work our way into heaven, then Jesus would have never had to enter the story that we've been talking about all year long. The only acceptable answer is that Jesus has forgiven our, my sins, and has made us right with him. And that is the point of this whole story. The whole point is so that we could be reconnected with God and made right with him only through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on this earth. In our life and how we choose to live it and what we choose to trust in, it will all be fully realized in the moment of judgment. If we chose to follow Jesus and, the, and live the life for him here on this earth, God will give us what we chose. And our destiny would be to live in heaven for eternity with God. But if we chose to live without Jesus, God will also give us that choice too. But by then, the day of judgment... It'll be too late. And because of this decision, if you made that decision on earth, you too would be thrown into the lake of fire. It's as simple as one or the other. Oh, but I thought God was good. Oh, but I thought God was loving. I thought he gives everyone an opportunity. Would God really do that to me? Like, I thought you told me that God accepts and loves everyone. And, and he, he is all those things. He is good. He is loving. He accepts all of us. He wants all of us. He cares for all of us. That's exactly why he sent his son Jesus to reconnect us back to him. But God also gives us choices. He loves us and he wants what's best for us. He knows what's best for us, but he allows us to choose for ourselves. During the thousand-year period, he loves us so much that during that period, he allowed even still a thousand or so, right? A lot of people debate what that really looks like, but he gave us that period so that if you still have not heard the gospel within that time period, you have a chance to hear it and come to know who God is so that when judgment day comes, you are granted into heaven. He wants everyone on this planet to hear this good news. He wants everyone on this planet to hear the gospel. And, but for those who choose to reject God, he will give them the results of that choice, like I mentioned. We cannot just choose to change our minds when we're right in his presence. I mean, this idea, right, of, of deciding to live a certain way and then all of a sudden wanting to change when you're right in front of God. The only thing I could think of is when we all get to a certain point in our lives, right, like 18 or so, when we start to decide that we want to leave our home. So seniors who are almost graduating and you're going to college, right, it, you, you will understand at one point. I'm actually still living at home, so I can't tell you what it's like to live outside a house. But, but what I do know is this. This is what I was thinking of. 
So I do decide to, to leave my house, right? I decide to live on my own, do my own thing, live my life however, however I want. My parents cannot, hello, tell me what to do. I'm living my best life out there. But all of a sudden, I run out of money. My roommates can't help me anymore. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go back home. I'm just going to go back home. It's fine. I'm going to go back home. And I go back home, and I'm just still trying to live the life I lived when I was living on my own. See, that's not going to happen because now I live under my parents' rules, and now i got to listen to my parents, right? And in a sense, it's the same thing. How are we going to live our life and choose to reject God here on this earth, and then we have him face-to-face, and we're like, oh, you know what, God, can I change my mind? We can't do that. By then, it'll be way too late. So as followers of Christ... The ending, the end of this, of our time, it shouldn't scare us. It should not scare us. Because when we are confident in our walk with Christ, we are promised a beautiful and eternal life. Our world was wicked. And through, through this guy named Noah who didn't know what rain was, he obeyed, he obeyed the commandment to build an ark for, for something called rain that he didn't know, and he did, and now a new nation was made because of his obedience to God. But can you imagine the anxiety that he probably went through? If you guys know the story of Moses, He was trying to free the Israelites, and all he had was a stick and a sea right in front of him and the army behind him. Can you imagine the anxiety that he went through in that moment? But he went through that storm. He obeyed God, and and we know how that story ended. They made it through the other side. Sarah, a hundred-year-old woman who was pregnant, can you imagine the pain her body probably went through, right? And just like that, the Bible gives us story after story after story of people who went through so much in their lives, yet they were obedient, and then we can see the fruit that comes out of that. And the same is with us. The same is with us. In our lifetime here on this earth, we are going to go through so much. We've gone through so much, and we're going to continue to go through so much pain, hurt, betrayal. We're going to experience death. We're going to experience anxiety and so many other things that are just going to shake our world. But God has a beautiful promise if we just hold on. And the end, I can't tell you what your end is going to look like, but from everything that, I, that I've seen and I've read in the Bible, I know God has something huge for each and every one of us. And so I want you guys to understand that through Jesus, we can gain faith and hope. And if you're like me, the end is scary. I fear the end at times. 
Remember when I was graduating high school, I, I, I was kind of happy I was graduating, but then I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what do, like, I feel like it's all coming to an end. I, I fear that. But the hope of the end is that when Jesus comes back, he's going to get rid of everything we've ever wondered about each and every day. Death, pain, and suffering, it's all gone. It's all gone. And God already knew that this was going to happen from beginning to very end. But for us to be made right with him, because we are sinners, we don't deserve his mercy, not at all. But for us to be made right with him, he sent his one and only perfect son to live on this earth. He lived as a perfect man on this earth. He grew up and he experienced temptation, betrayal, pain, and so many of the things that many of us have experienced. And even in his perfectness, he experienced death. Because the whole crowd, who could have very, very easily been us, shouted for Jesus himself to die on a cross. And while the crowds were shouting, and they were happy, this so-called Jesus, he's dead. He clearly wasn't the Messiah's son, because if he was, he wouldn't die. And as the, the crowds were happy about this, three days later, Jesus rose. He rose from the dead. And the separation between us and God no longer existed because of Jesus and his sacrifice. This, that right there is the gift of salvation. And there is nothing any of us can do to receive that. It doesn't matter how many times we come to Reckless. It doesn't matter how many mission trips we go to. None of that matters if we don't accept that and truly believe that. Eternity, heaven, peace, and God, they're all waiting for us with open hands. They are. No matter how many times we've sinned or we've messed up, God forgives us, he loves us, and he accepts us. And so really quick, I have a $10 bill. How many of you guys want this $10 bill? Yeah, a lot of us, right? Okay. Okay, let's put our hands back down. So I got this $10 bill. So I'm going to, like, crumble it up. I'm going to put it in a ball. Okay. I'm even going to throw it. And I'm going to step on it and do all this stuff. And I don't even know where my shoes have been. They probably stepped in some stuff that's not good. Right? So I'm going to do that. How many of you still want this $10 bill? Well, none of y'all are getting it because I'm a little broke, so I'm going to keep it, right? <laughs> but we raised our hands. Why? Because this $10 bill has not lost its value. It's been crumbled up. It's been stepped on. It, if this dollar bill was a person, it would have experienced pain. It's, it's experienced betrayal. It's gone from one hand to another. This dollar bill has gone through it. 
But this $10 bill has not lost its value. And that's exactly the same thing for you and us. It doesn't matter how many times we've been stepped on. It doesn't matter how many times we've been crumbled up. It doesn't matter what we've done in our past. God and heaven are waiting for us with open arms. They're waiting. They want each and every person in this room and in this planet to go into heaven. They, God wants that for us. And like I said, all you have to do is, is acknowledge how unworthy of God's love you are. Because we're unworthy of that love. But through God's mercy, we can be made right with him because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And especially in the stage of life that you guys are in right now, decisions are big, right? Things like, especially you seniors, where am I going to go to next? What should I major in? What do I even want to do in my life? Decisions are big. And decisions are scary because we don't know where those decisions are going to take us. And reckless, let me tell you something. I don't know a lot of things. I'm not, you know, I'm still in school, got okay grades, you know, I'm not... I'm not the brightest one out there. Truth, truth, I'm not. But what I do know is that the decision to place your faith in Christ, that's a decision that comes with the beautiful end. That's a decision that comes with the beautiful just prize at the end of the race. And all it takes for you is to say, yeah, I acknowledge that. And so as we're going to close out, I'm going to pray for two different things. The first thing is, I'm going to pray for any student that's in the room that says, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus today. I want, you know, we, we use this phrase a lot, right? And Okay, I'm going to be a little lame. When we say, I got to secure the bag, right? We all know what that means. And we use it all the time. I got to secure this job. I, we, you know, how about we secure our future with a decision tonight, if you so feel led to. So I'm going to pray for you students that want to make that decision tonight. And let me just say real quick, if you do decide to make that decision tonight, we really urge you guys to talk to a small group leader. You can talk to Pastor uh, Todd, Lauren, or even myself if you feel comfortable because we want to share that. We want, we want to share that moment with you and we want to celebrate you. But then I'm also going to pray for the students in the room and the leaders who already have a relationship with Christ, right? But I know that life gets in the way. I know that school and grades and our friends and our sports and the future, everything gets in the way. And a lot of times we lose track of what we're really on this earth for. So I'm going to pray for encouragement for you guys that are in the room and who have already accept, accepted Christ. So if you guys reckless will just bow your heads and close your eyes for me, and I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. Heavenly Father, I just want to give you thanks for this day. I want to give you thanks because in the midst of us going through lighting issues and all this other stuff that the enemy is wanting to bring to reckless tonight, Father God, you are good.
We want to thank you because you allowed us to come together as a group to just hear the good message, Father God, that although the end may seem scary for a lot of us, Father God, there is true beauty in the end of this story, Father God. So we thank you for that. Tonight, Father God, I want to pray for the students in the room who want to put their faith and trust in you, God. And if that's any of these students in the room tonight, Father God, I pray that they just pray this prayer in their head. God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I'm unworthy of your love. But thank you for sending your one and only perfect son to die for me and my sins on that cross. And today, Father God, I ask for forgiveness And I ask that you come into my heart and make me new. And tonight, Father God, I also want to pray for the students in the room who have already made that decision, Father God. I just want to pray for encouragement for them. I want to pray that in the midst of whatever season in life that they're in, they just fix their eyes on you. And and that they, they live their life on earth, Father God. Like it's your life because ultimately it is your life, Heavenly Father. And so we thank you. I pray for protection and wisdom as we go on through the rest of the week, Father God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.